the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. Yeah, what can you prove? I love that fat little boy, Cartman. If I could have a fat little boy named Cartman, I would. He would be the ideal son because he likes cheesy poofs. We got, yeah, like, can you poof? we got any other Cartman drops? Let's play some Cartman drops. You listen to Rob Black Show. It's Rob Black. Uh, you can call in 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Here you guys. Whatever. I would love him as my son. I would be proud to have him as a son. I know it doesn't make any sense, but you got to work with me on this. Earlier in this week, we had someone call into the show, and we're doing a financial show, who asked about CIT Group, and I said, be careful, they're going to go bankrupt. At that point in time, it was a dollar stock, and it went to a buck nine, and he, he was feeling pretty good on himself. And it's a pretty volatile stock, right? And we want the company to survive, but they got in so much over their heads, and they had to borrow so much government money, they're not going to survive. So they're a Halloween horror story. They're going down. Today, and again, this is what a difference one week makes. In one week, it's gone from a buck to a buck ten to 90 cents. Today, the company says they're likely to file for bankruptcy in the coming days. Analysts and experts have said the lender is trying to restructure its debt. They're offering investors two options. One path would be getting into unsecured debt holders who hold about $30 billion of the debt, to voluntarily exchange their bonds for new securities and equity. That path would avoid bankruptcy. The other and more likely option would be approving a reorganization plan before the company files for bankruptcy. CIT investors, they're entitled to vote for the exchange or the prepackaged bankruptcy by the end of Thursday. CIT Kurt Ritter, the spokesperson for the company, said they've got $800 of debt due on November 1 and November 3rd. They're going down. Um, it's 78 cents today. Earlier in the week, a buck nine. Guy was feeling confident. He had turned, you know, 10, 20%. Later in the week, it's going down. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. So that's a little bit of a holiday horror story. A little holiday horror story. Boo, it's Halloween. Love the moon during Halloween. Um, here's a good one from Annie. Annie sends me an email. And she goes, I worked for JetBlue at the Oakland airport on 9-11. We had a flight. Flight 93, which was in and of itself an unfortunate coincidence. They departed JFK early that morning. They were scheduled to arrive in Oakland around 9 a.m. The folks on board that flight had live TV and watched the airplanes fly into the World Trade Center. In conjunction with that horror, it was also being reported that Flight 93 was one of the airplanes that was missing. So not only did they have to watch the planes going into the World Trade Center, they had to think that their plane was being taken over by terrorists. Pretty scary stuff, right? 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. This is kind of nice. Got an email just right there from Brad. He says, hello from Bangalore. 
We're listening, Rob. That's pretty sweet. So I'm international. I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. Let's talk the U.S. economy. I know this is something that's kind of on your mind. Jobs and joblessness and when do things get better? Tim Geithner's out there talking. Again, yesterday we saw a report that said the, the economy's improving. You have nothing to fear now but fear itself. GDP numbers were great. We got that yesterday, right? What happened? Market responded okay. But today what happened? Now that we know that news, Dow's down 216, down 2%. NASDAQ's down 44, down 2%. S&P 500 down 26, down 2.5%. So stocks are tanking because people are worried about consumers. We are a consumer-driven economy. And people are going to save a little bit more. There's no doubt about it. But we are a consumer-driven economy that there's high unemployment. And it's sticky. Corporations don't want to hire people right now until they see real in-demand coming. Not, not government spending demand. Real demand. The next leg up will probably be not because of the economy chugging, but because we're rebuilding inventories. So that when the economy does chug, the consumer can get what they want. We've cut inventories, we've cut factory, we've cut manufacturing. We're lean right now. We're kind of like Brad Pitt early in his career when he was with on Thelma and Louise. The man had a six-pack, and he had no fat on his body in any way, shape, or form. Our economy has no fat right now. We're lean. And what a sexual reference when, when Thelma meets Brad Pitt, and he's, he's drinking water out of a hose that's shooting water everywhere. Men in their hoses. Anyway, the U.S. economy has returned to growth during the third quarter. It shows stability. It's been regained. Good. But the recovery is fragile and it needs nurturing. This is according to Tim Geithner. He's our Treasury Secretary. He's a midget. He's tiny. He's funny to look at. He's like an elf. He's like a Keebler elf. He could be a Keebler elf on Halloween. Geithner said the government must be ready to reinforce growth if need be to avoid risks of a credit crunch. Ooh. He gave a one-hour question and answer yesterday at the Economic Club in Chicago. Geithner said the United States can't borrow and spend its way to health. They pledged every effort to encourage an investment-led recovery. Ooh, that's good stuff. Government of the United States can't borrow and spend its way to health. Ultimately, we need you and me to put our money where our mouth is and invest in things, whether it be stocks or whether it be invested in a new idea. And he said the GDP number that came out today was encouraging, but it's broad and strong, and it just wasn't for cash for clunkers. And it wasn't just economic stimulus, but it's important to remember that it's very early. He said the economy has stabilized. You can see signs of growth here and there around the world. He added, it's going to be very hard going forward still. The important things that we're going to have to do are the recognized recovery is going to have to be led by private sector, and it's going to have to be driven by private companies, private businesses. Okay, if we want private companies and private sector to invest and lead the way. Why are we doing healthcare stimulus? Or healthcare reform? Why are we not giving private sector tax cuts? Why are we not giving the private sector tax initiatives? You've heard about situations like Vancouver and Canada where they lure Hollywood there by, hey, you won't have to pay any taxes. In the state of California, I got to pay huge taxes. So Vancouver, Canada, is a, a hub. It's It does great. Toronto it looks like New York City, except for it's not quite as dirty. They've lured us there by giving us tax incentives. That's how you lure business out of the out of its cautionary state, tax incentives. That's what we need. 
we need Obama not talking about health care and Nancy Pelosi talking about the uninsured and how many people are going to be saved by this because it's going to cost our nation trillions of dollars. And if, have you ever known our government to be even be in the ballpark? So when they say it's going to cost us a trillion, don't you kind of assume it's going to cost three, four, five trillion dollars? And don't you kind of think that doctors at some point in time are going to say, you know what, we're not taking those patients, we're going private? There's going to be a, an unintended consequence with this. They're not going to be working for government uh, insured. They're going to walk away. They're going to turn their back on that business. They're going to say, we're going to a cash-only business. Screw you guys. I'm going home, is what the doctors are going to say. Anyway, so Geithner gave us a little bit on the economy. Let's talk about an investment. Let's talk about two investments, Chipotle Mexican Grill and Cisco Systems. Business Week, it's one of my favorite reads, and Bloomberg's buying it, which is kind of interesting because Business Week is a play on consumers, and Bloomberg has always been a play on institutional money. So Business Week is a play on the consumers. The Bloomberg is getting into the consumer market, which I like. So Chipotle Mexican Grill, it operates 837 fast casual restaurants in 33 states. They serve tacos, burritos, salads, fresh ingredients. McDonald's sold its 91% steak. Back in 2006, Chipotle hit $80 on October 8th, up from 36 last November. It's been on fire. Good results. A lot of analysts call it an outperform. Management projects flat sales for 2010, though, and that may prove conservative. Most analysts see it as a buy on weakness. So Chipotle has a menu. You can choose from hundreds and hundreds of options, right? You should have a menu. It should be 20 to 60 stocks. I'm not saying put Chipotle on there. Because you know my play on restaurants, no more than three years, because they start going bad after that. Their concept has started to become saturated. Their, their food is no longer novel. I'm more novel than war and peace. That's going to be my new tagline for the show. Not more stimulating talk. I'm going to say, more novel than war and peace. It's Rob Black Show, 910 AM. So anyway, $115 price target. Maybe if the stock market keeps correcting, we're down 200 today. Maybe if we get down 600 then you go, ooh, I see some value there. Have a menu. Next company I want to talk about. Tech fever in 2000. Remember the tech fever of 2000? Cisco Systems was all that in a bucket of chicken. Cisco Systems in 2000 was an $82 stock. Now they're today they're a $23 stock. Some bulls believe the rebounds can continue. They think that this is a good decade to be in Cisco Systems' side of the fence. Hey, I like pornography and I like hockey. And I like them on my computer. So I can watch hockey on my computer? You know what I need? I need network equipment. You know what the Sharks need to get that to me? Network equipment. You know what my provider Comcast needs to get it to me? Network equipment. And I don't like choppy hockey. I like smooth hockey. So it's all about the network equipment, right? Now, investors shouldn't ignore Cisco's big role in riding the wireless data wave. Surging demand for data and devices and users everywhere. What, am, what about what, when I say, I want to watch hockey on my cell phone? And I don't want it to I don't want to drop coverage. I want top notch. Cisco's kind of in that place now. They're everywhere in routers and switching and video and communications, local, wide network. They're trading 17 times 2010 earnings, which is pretty conservative. I think if you know there was a, a bad stock market, I think Cisco could be one of your trading stocks. I don't want you to own it till the day you die. I don't believe in the company that much. I don't believe that they do enough share buybacks, and I don't believe they share enough money with you in a dividend. So I don't want you to own it till the day you die. You get the idea. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. More novel than war and peace. Coming up, Dan Rusinowski of your San Jose Sharks. 
final four seconds of penalty time are ticking off on the clock. One more rush. Here's Getzlaff. Lead for Scott Niedermeyer. Breaks in. Penalty is over. A centering attempt just got blocked. And the Sharks have a two-on-one mini one. Here's Heatley out of the box. Export moving in. Gives him the play. Break away. Thornton shoots. Scores! Joe Thornton, his first of the year. Great setup from Danny Heatley. And the Sharks have a 3-0 lead. Joining me now, Dan Rusinowski, the voice of the San Jose Sharks. Dan, I can't listen to you and not get excited. You, you, you tell the, the story, and it's exciting. Oh, baby, the memories. That was a great play coming out of the penalty box. It's fun. Thanks for saying that, too, Rob. I appreciate it. Yeah, again, uh, you know, I'm, I'm brown-nosing you, and I love what you do. But uh, I just want everyone in the Bay Area to really get that hockey's a great sport and totally enjoy it. We started out slow this season. The San Jose Sharks started out slow, kind of bumpy. But since you've been on the air with me, Dan, we're 5-1. and one. That's pretty good. Must be a connection. Must be a connection. It's the Rob Black bump, as I like to say. I like it. I, you know, it takes a little while when you make 11 changes to your roster for everything to gel together. And I think that that was part of what was going on. And I really think that's, that's, that's what's happening now. The guys are playing well together. That road trip uh, was really good for them to, uh, to get to know each other better. And uh, they've got a bit of a payback game tonight in Colorado coming to town. This is a game day we're talking, so this is a little bit unique. We don't have a lot of Friday home games. What is game day all about, um, Dan? When you say it's game day, the Sharks get there at what time? Do they take naps? What, what's their routine? It's, it's a quite a, a specialized routine, especially for the 7.30 game or the 7 o'clock game, the night game, as it were. Uh, what happens in the morning is the players get in, I'm going to guess, between 8.30 and 9. Some of them have to get treatments from the trainer. Um, some of them just come in. They stretch uh, just a little bit before hitting the ice, and they just came off the ice, in fact, this morning. Uh, the home team usually practices at 10.30. The visiting team practices at 11.30. Uh, the, from the broadcaster's point of view, we get a chance to talk to all the guys find out a little bit about what's going through their minds, get some sound for the evening's broadcast and so forth. And then after that, they usually have a, a meal that has some kind of pasta in it for energy. Um, usually the old days, they used to eat steak and potatoes, but that, that, that doesn't work with all the great nutritionists anymore. And they usually uh, like to take a nap, at least a lot of them do, sometimes between uh, two and three hours in the afternoon, get back to the rink about 5, 5.15. And... Uh, Get your sticks ready, get to get onto the ice at about 7 o'clock for a 7.30 game, warm up, and then away you go. Good stuff, good stuff. We're going to have to talk about sticks on another future episode because that's another thing that's changed a lot in the game. They used to be wooden sticks, now they're composite metals, and they've changed enormously. But the other night, we, we won, we beat L.A., the Los Angeles Kings, in a shootout. What's your opinion on the shootout, Dan? I'm a purist. I'm not a big fan of it. I used to feel good walking away from the arena with a 1-1 tie. I know what you're saying, and I agree with you 100%. I think that uh, that I'm starting to turn on it just a little bit, but I'm, I'm still more in the camp of the purists. I'd have to say that I don't believe in rewarding anybody, even if you lose in overtime with a point. So we're getting even more more uh, specific on that. Uh, but when you get after it, you know, when you get to a tie game situation, what was happening was a lot of teams were playing for a tie, and the reason why they were playing for a tie was because of the playoff situation and the implications and the injuries they might have in the grind of the regular season. And so this was sort of an attempt to eliminate some of that. I think they've gotten that. The, the thing that, that gets to me about the shootout, though, is, is that it's either all or nothing. You could have had a 1-1 tie and leave reasonably satisfied, as you talked about. Mm-hmm. But now, if you lose the shootout, you get a point, but you're not satisfied at all. And, in fact, it deflates that energy of the crowd after what could have been a really good game. And that, that's the part that's negative from my perspective. And on the positive side of it, it's kind of fun watching a shootout because what Danny Heatley did in the shootout was beautiful. 
Well, that's right. And, and you know, it gave the Sharks a chance yep. to win, which they ended up doing when Ryan Close scored that goal. And even though it doesn't count in the stats, maybe that's going to get uh, Ryan Close going when they hit the ice again tonight. He hasn't had a goal now in, what, 21 games? So that's something that, that can help a player if they just get that little bit of confidence because so much of this game is mental, Rob. You wouldn't believe it, um, whether it's dealing with a bump or a bruise that's bothering you or whether it's, it's whether you, you're confident when you're coming in to shoot the puck against a goaltender. It's very, very mental, this game. And my wife wanted me to ask you a question. She can't be with us today. She wanted to ask, why did the coach put Ferio in in the shootout? Because she was, um, I heard her in a different room. She, you could hear her go, ah, and then, oh, ah, and then, oh. She, like, she was, she was riding the, the up and down of the shootout, but she was kind of upset about Ferio. Well, I think that probably it's because he has such good hand-eye coordination and strong skills, and he doesn't have to deal with um, somebody checking him. After all, it's just a one-on-one situation in a shootout, the player against the goaltender. And so the fact that he's a rookie is probably less of an issue than he has tremendous hand-eye skills. And so that's something that probably the coach wanted to deal with. And they threw him out there to see how he would handle a pressure situation as well. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. We're playing a team tonight, Dan. We're speaking with Dan Rusnowski. You can be heard tonight, 7 o'clock. Is that the time you come on air for the show? That's right. Half an hour pregame show, and then we have the 7.30 face-off. Okay, so at 98.5 FM, great pre-show, great show, great post-game, all good stuff. We're playing Colorado tonight, and Colorado's the best team in the NHL this year. And last year, they were one of the worst teams. What did they do? Is it just their goaltender, Anderson? Was he that pivotal? Is it a new coach? What's the turnaround? I think it's a little bit of all of the above. I think Anderson is the biggest reason why they're at the very top of the Western Conference right now because mm-hmm. he's just playing out of his mind. He was fantastic against the Sharks on opening night. He, he's been very good for a couple of years, but sort of flying under the radar as far as the attention that, that he's been getting. And so uh, that's a huge part of what, what the story of the Avalanche is. But because of the salary cap and because of the ability that teams have to change their roster quickly and dynamically, uh, you can really make changes changes in a year that have significant effects. And the big thing for Colorado is because they've been finishing down near the bottom of the standings in the last year, they've been able to get a couple of pretty good draft picks. And they've been able to uh, insert players like Matt Duchesne and Ryan O'Reilly into the game. And these are just kids. They're under 20 years of age. But the way the game is now based on speed, a young player can actually have more of an effect on his team than back, say, in the 1970s when it took you three to five years just to make an impact in most cases. Now, now, it's, it's more common to have young guys actually jumping in and doing something and making a significant impression. So um, those two players, I think, have tremendous talent, and they've made that much of an impression on the team, which has really taken a, a bit of a personality change this year with the retirement of Joe Sackick. That really kind of happened last year, but he... he didn't officially retire, was injured, but they were sort of lingering psychologically in that situation. So that, coupled with a new coach, Joe Sacco, is very organized, and uh, he's not Joe Sackick, he's Joe Sacco, which is a, kind of a fascinating closeness of name. But, um, but he's very organized, and he understands the plight of the average player as well as the superstar. So I think that they're pretty well set up with that goaltending that they're getting right now to, to make a run for it. Will they stay at the top? I don't think so. But right now, they're having a great start. Absolutely. Now, my favorite shark to watch is Joe Thornton. It's just because he's so big. And when I ice skate, Dan, if you blow on me, I fall over. He can't you can't tackle the guy. You can't take him down. He's, he's interesting to watch with the puck. He's got great eyes. He's a great passer. You really have to appreciate not the goal scorer, but the guy who sets up and sees the ice beautifully. Who's your favorite shark? To watch. You know, 
he's one of them. He's certainly one of the best people, and I, you know, I, I have to rate them as well as, as how I know them as people, and they're all great guys in the team. I, I think I love to watch Nabokov play goal. Um, when he's on, he's among the best in the game. And Patrick Marlowe is, is a personal favorite as well, along with Joe. Um, Patrick is a guy that, that sort of, uh, I don't want to say gets shuffled off to the side because you know he was the captain of the team until this year, but uh, he was always the second guy. You know, He was drafted second overall. Joe Thornton was first overall. So um, since I'm second in my family, I kind of understand that situation. Right. And uh, so I have a special a place for, for him and you know his great skills in the game. I just love the blazing speed. And I like to watch guys, you know, here I am uh, you know, trying to pick a favorite, and it's really tough. One of my others is Joe Pavelski, who hasn't really played much this year. I like to watch players think on the ice, and that's one of the great things that Joe Thornton does. You can watch him thinking, and you can watch him execute that thought seconds later. And that's something that the, I, I can't explain other than to say you know it when you see it. Uh, Joe Pavelski is one of those players, too. Wayne Gretzky once said, I skate to where the puck's going to, not where the puck is now. It's uh, it's something the casual fan really doesn't sometimes get about hockey. Is you don't necessarily watch the guy with the puck. You watch the empty spaces. Well, that's right. And you know what? I think the closest, the closest example, Rob, to that is uh, if you've ever played chess, the best chess players and the most effective ones are the ones that can anticipate what's coming, what's going to happen next. And many people can grasp that conceptually and then transfer that over to the game of hockey and understand that it's a similar skill that these players have. It's just on the ice with skates instead of on, at a chessboard at a table. Now, the wife wants him to ask Setaguchi. She's heard from inside sources. She works at the San Jose Museum of Art, and the players walk right next to her, and they, they interact with the, the museum staff. Um, she says that Setaguchi's hurt. She's hearing inside sources that he's going to be out for a while. What are you hearing? He is going to be out for a little while. Uh, I know right now I saw him. He didn't skate this morning for the game, and that's just a fact of life. He's dealing with an injury. Uh, they're calling it a lower body injury, which I, I always think is really hilarious because they don't divulge injuries in the NHL. Um, one of the reasons why they do in the NFL, believe it or not, is because of gambling. Um, the, the fact that they don't want any secrets to be known by someone in that nefarious side of the world and so to get an advantage. And so they just made the election to, you know, I don't want to say if you can't beat him, join him, because obviously they, you know, all sports prohibit that, but uh, they wanted to make it less of an impact by just divulging all of the injuries. Well, the NHL doesn't have that issue because people don't really gamble on the sport, but uh, I have to say that, uh, that it's interesting to see, you know, he has a lower body injury while he's walking, uh, you know, off the ice holding his arm. You know, that, 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 you know, there's a lot of gamesmanship that goes on with some of that stuff, but I think actually in this case it is true. It's something, something below the waist in his leg probably that, that's hobbling him and not being able to make him as effective a skater. And, and so it's going to take a little while, but uh, that's what you have to deal with during the season. And everybody plays to some degree hurt during the year because of the punishing nature of the game, the travel, and all of the demands that you have physically on, on you as a player. And my wife wanted me to ask this question. I feel a little embarrassed to ask you, Dan, so bear with me on this one. She's fascinated by celebrity clones. Beckham has a celebrity clone, and she's fascinated with Reese Witherspoon's celebrity clone. She wants me to come out with a celebrity clone, and, you know, it's going to be called, like, Rob Black Stink. She says, which shark would have a celebrity clone? Because I think that's a, it's an intriguing woman's perspective question. You know, that is an interesting, interesting question, and I'm going to say Jody Shelley probably would have one. <laughs> Jody How's Shelley's that? our tough guy. Yeah, he's the tough guy. He's the one who gets all the attention. He might have one. Um, the other one would obviously be probably Devin Setaguchi. I think he's the one that, that, that the ladies certainly would like to have a celebrity clone with. You know who I'm going to go with is I'm friends with Joe Cannon. He's the goalkeeper for the San Jose Quakes. Great guy. 
great guy, wonderful guy, and he's a big celebrity uh, charity guy too. Um, but we were talking about Nabokov, and he goes, "I wish I was the goalkeeper for the Sharks and not the goaltender uh, for the the Quakes." He goes, um, "Nabokov, he's got a BMW, he's got the wristwatch, he's a pretty boy." So maybe maybe Nabokov cologne. Well, I think that could be possible. Although I didn't pick him because he already has a bobblehead doll, so that's that's uh, that's something that has to come first. So you know, I guess that that's probably what where he is in my mind. At the at the end of the season, do you think we're going to resign Nabokov? At the end of the season, yeah, time will tell. I think that I think that he's one of the top goalies in the game, and I think that. All indications show that he loves playing in San Jose and loves being a part of this franchise. And that's a long way off before we start to, to even dream about that stuff. And I think that he has something to prove this season as well. I want to talk to you about that in future episodes of the Dan Rusinowski show here on the, the 910 station. Because to me, the goaltender is one of those people, again, like we see with Colorado. They take out their goalie, they put in Anderson, and boom, instant change. It, it almost seems like sometimes you don't need a franchise goalie. You can plug and play with other parts. Well, you go back and forth between those two things. It seems as if that's exactly the case the last couple of years in this much quicker NHL. Yet, uh, I'd rather have that one guy that, that is like the best pitcher in a baseball team that, that can go seven innings for you, that can give you that that consistency and make that big save, which is get the big strikeout in the baseball parlance. And I think that that's something that is exceedingly valuable. So uh, you have you have people that go to both schools of thought. Right now, the school of thought is that maybe it's not as critical to have the best goalie, but uh, but I still think it's important. I like what we've seen from Grice, too. Thanks for joining me, Dan. It's Dan Rusinowski. You can hear him tonight live at 98.5, 7 o'clock. He's going to be announcing the Colorado Avalanche San Jose, uh, San Jose Sharks uh, hockey game. Very exciting. If you've never listened to hockey, it's the best thing to do on radio. But then again, it's good on TV, and it's pretty good on uh, live as well. So anyway, thanks very much, Dan Rusinowski. I'm Rob Black. Let's take a little bit of a break here. Got to head to break. It's the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. And again, Dan's always a gentleman. Always a good guest. I'm the kind of jerk that calls out mistakes because I never make them. 800-345-5639. Honestly, let me be honest with you. Get a little closer to the microphone. I'm sick as a dog this week. I'm dying. So it's, uh, I got walking pneumonia. I'm on day three now of the medication. Uh, Zithromax or something along those lines. And it's got my head a little bit spinning, a little bit goofy. So today's not my best show. But I'm trying. Yesterday, great day on Wall Street. Up 199 points. Today, not so much. We're down 200 points. To me, seeing the good GDP numbers kind of feels like, yeah, we knew that was coming. It's kind of anticlimactic. So yesterday we saw good GDP numbers. Let's talk a little bit about Project Runway. Remember Christian, the little, what's politically correct? Gay guy? The little homosexual man? What's the correct term? I don't know. Um, the gay designer, the flamboyant designer. How about that? Um, from, from basically Project Runway. He said the word fierce. He goes, that shirt is fierce. Those pants are fierce. Kind of invented a new word on design, right? Um, Lifetime, they boldly snagged Project Runway from Bravo. And it hasn't exactly been the ratings bonanza the cable network was expecting. It was very costly. It was an acquisition. And it started off strong, but it's taken a huge tumble on the catwalk. On the catwalk. 
Um, too sexy fool. Uh, meanwhile, Bravo's managed to get over its losing one of its biggest guns. They've got The Wrap, which takes a look at the not-so-pretty picture for Lifetime. And uh, long story short, sometimes you spend money on an acquisition that doesn't work out, and it's not terribly working out. And I love that show, Project Runway. I don't get to watch it anymore. I'm just too busy. Too busy. And uh, Tim Gunn, when he goes, designers, work it out. Work it out, designers. You've got five minutes to pull it together. Make it work. Anyway, stop the presses. Literally, stop the presses. Time Warner. Big, big, big play in magazines. People Magazine, Sports Illustrated, Fortune Entertainment Weekly. I think they do jugs. No, no, no. They don't do jugs. Um, They're expected to make $100 million in cuts this week, next week. Layoffs are going to be felt across all units, especially maybe Entertainment Weekly gone. Maybe it's going to become a web-only publication. Grim report in today's New York Times. New York News Corp said it's closing the Wall Street Journal's Boston Bureau, which once was a powerhouse of investigating and reporting. There's, trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sad to say this. There's so little news and news today. Now there's opinion on AP News. Now there's opinion on Reuters News. Forbes is making big cuts, too. So, happy weekend, journalist. You're out of job. Swine flu deaths jumped to 700. No, 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 no. Correction. Stop the presses. Correction. Swine flu deaths jumped by 700 this week to reach 5,700. I might have swine flu. That would be ironic. Because on Halloween, I'm giving out H1N1 pork rinds with mayonnaise. Facebook, the world's most popular social networking website. Get this. They won... How much money from a spammer? $711 million. The spammer gained access to the user's accounts and sent phony messages. Sanford Wallace sent unsolicited mass emails to users, tricking many of them to divulging their login information or redirect or redirect. Speaking English, Rob, speaking English. I think I've just been possessed like Linda Blair. By the way, probably the scariest damn Halloween movie that's really held up over time is The Exorcist. I know we could we can debate this. Maybe we should have done that today because that would have been more timely and topical instead of throwing it out there in the last 15 minutes of the show. But, man, the exorcist scared the bejesus out of me. It scared the bejesus out of me. And to this day, when she starts doing the thing down below with the cross, still creeps me out. Still creeps me out. So Sanford Wallace sent an unsolicited mass email to users, tricking many of them to divulging their login information or redirecting them to websites that paid him for each visit. Now, I personally think spammers should be put to death. You elect me president, I will put to death anyone who abuses animals, anyone who abuses children, and spammers. You can elect me governor, you can elect me mayor, you can elect me president. I don't care. You elect me something. How about you elect me top talk show in the Bay Area? I'll put to to death other talk show hosts. Facebook, they claim that Wallace, who didn't appear in court to contest the suit, committed more than 14 million violations. We really have got spam is the only thing that drags down the internet. By the way, I put Windows Seven on my computer last night. Actually, one of our sponsors, good guy, Bill Rockefeller, came over to my abode last night, hung out with me, and drank beer and worked on my computer. So turned it into a super rig. It actually has legs and arms now. My computer has legs and arms. <laughs> How about yours? So anyway, the House Health Care Bill presenting a lot of problems right now for drug makers. Now, keep in mind, we don't know what the hell is going to come out of either of our Congress. We don't know what the Senate is going to do. We don't know what the House of Representatives is going to do. The Senate Finance Committee in October approved a bill that would place $40 billion tax over 10 years on medical device makers. Now, that figure is going to get cut in half 
in the House version, down to $20 billion. Now, the Senate leaders, they're preparing to reduce the tax to arrive to around that level. So under the House bill, the 2.5% levy on device makers applies to revenue at the point of sale that excludes certain retail purchases. The Senate version is going to take a tax device. Uh, it's going to tax the device makers according to their share of the market and would also go into effect three years sooner. We don't know what's coming out. And these are billion-dollar decisions over a decade. And if you're going to invest in a company, you don't know if it's going to have a billion dollars left or a billion dollars right. You're confused, right? I'm confused just talking about it. Hmm. Let's see other big stories. California has wrapped up a sale of $3.5 billion in tax-free municipal bonds on Thursday. We're able to trim yields slightly from initial expectations. Taxpayers will still foot significantly higher interest costs than they did on the state's last general obligation bond offering. A general obligation bond is a go bond. Muni bond yields nationwide tumbled. When our state of California issues bonds, and let's say, for instance, they got a 13-year bond that yields 4.85%. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good rate. Higher interest rates means what? If you buy it and you're getting 4.8% per year and you're not paying taxes on it, sweet, right? That's pretty good. Now, here's the problem. Who is paying that 4.8%? California borrows $13 billion. Who pays for that? Or in this case, $4.5 billion. You do. So they're basically, it's going to be repaid with taxes, but it's also going to be repaid at 4.8% per year. That's pretty high for a state. That's pretty high. And I only throw that up out there because, hey, I love you. I want you to understand that you can beat them. You can complain about them. You can join them. And, you know, for some of your safe income when you're in retirement, I don't mind 4.8% on safe income. I don't mind that at all. Is that Valerie Grant? What is Valerie Grant? My traffic nemesis. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. 30-year mortgage rates, they're ticking higher. Mortgage rates continue to drift higher this week. That's uh, We're now sitting at 5.03%. Last week, we were at 5%. The week before, 4.87%. So rates on shorter-term fixed mortgages are starting to rise. Now is a good time to lock in your mortgage rate. Contact a mortgage broker like BayAreaLoanSource.com. Let's take a break here. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. Talk910.com. If you want to listen to a, a rebroadcast of what is referred to as perfection, a podcast of this show. Or you can just email me, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. It's 9, 10 a.m., more stimulating talk. Black talking all things financial. You can tell it's Friday and I'm limping, limping to the finish line of the show. Let's talk about the best and let's talk about the worst. Let's talk about the most profitable, most profitable movie ever. Do you know what it is? It was Blair Witch Project and today it is no more. Paranormal activity has surpassed the Blair Witch Project to become the most profitable movie ever. Box office hit was made for less than 15,000 buckaroos. And it's grossed a whopping $65 million. It was actually made in one week in the director's home. 
The actress that was in it slept in the bed that's in the movie while the um, everyone else slept in other rooms and on the couches. Pretty cool, huh? How basically a glorified college project could become the greatest, most successful movie of all time. Paranormal has gradually expanded from 12 to 33, 260 to 760 to 1,900 theaters this weekend. Some people say that they did it a little bit too slowly. They've grossed over $65 million. Maybe they would have been over $100 million. This is their last big week because it's the weekend of spooky vision. Spooky vision. Woo! Excellent. Now, I talked about one of my favorite horror movies being The Exorcist. Interesting. I pulled up the list of the top 50 IMBD scariest movies of all time or horror movies of all time. It's not even in the top 50. How can that be? Oh, no, no, no. There it is. There's number 13. Number 12, Rosemary's Baby. I'm sorry, but if you watch Rosemary's Baby, it's boring. Coming in, number nine, King Kong 1933 version. Come on. The Kurt Russell thing coming in at 90 at eight. That's not even a And then Zombieland comes in. Oh, see, these are votes by users. These are votes by users. That doesn't count. Psycho and Alien. Now, Alien, I'll tell you this. That movie scared the urine out of me. I was, that movie scared the year because I was like 10 years old when it came out. I remember seeing that movie going, all the urine was in the seat. Because uh, the way that monster can collapse and, and sneak up behind you, pretty good stuff. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, didn't really do it for me. Halloween, the first one, didn't really do it for me. The recent ones are kind of are spooky and what have you, but Blair Witch, nah, not so much. Not so much. Anyway, The Omen, pretty good, pretty good. But I'm sticking by my exorcist as far as, and ooh, The Shining. Ooh, The Shining has to be put on that list somewhere, doesn't it? Anyway, uh, Paranormal Activity, most profitable movie of all time. Let's talk about some of the other issues. Tonight, the Sharks are going to wear Halloween jerseys. They're actually going to wear jerseys that have a pumpkin on the back of it. I'm not kidding. Go to sjsharks.com, and you can see that they're going to wear them, and then they're going to auction them off for charity. I think that's cool. I love that our local sports teams work so much with charity. Like I said, Joe Cannon, keeper for the San Jose Coakes, he's going to be on next week. He's all about the charity, and you'll never hear him talk about it. I love that local teams do a lot of stuff for charity because charities need it. Talk about some of the other big stories out there today. This one comes to us. An email comes to us from Stephanie. And Stephanie says, I listen to your show at work each day. I've been inspired to start saving for retirement. My company does not offer a retirement plan, so I contacted Fidelity. I'm 27 years old. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have car debt. I don't have school debt. Nothing. My paychecks are 100% mine. I want to know if I should choose a Roth IRA or regular IRA. I feel comfortable investing a bit more aggressively since I'm not married. And don't have debt or children. I want to pay taxes up front. And would like to start to save enough to one day buy a house. Good stuff. Makes about $2,500 take home a month. Love you. Love your show. Stephanie. Now, what I would do if I was 27 years old, I would do a Roth IRA. Because, like she said, her, her company doesn't give her that tax-deductible vehicle. The 401k. I'd talk to the boss. If you work at a pretty small business, a lot of small businesses are afraid of of, uh, of 401ks. They're cheap. Back in the early 90s, they were a pain in the butt to, to put together, but they're pretty cheap to put together right now. I'd maybe even call Fidelity for them, Stephanie, and say, hey, my boss doesn't do a 401k. Can you send me some information on it? And then sit down with them and say, here, here's some good ideas. Because I'd prefer you do the 401k versus the Roth. That's me. Because it's pre-tax money. And again, you're 2500 is all you're taking home at this point in time. And that's, that's a good number, especially for a young woman your age. But you could be putting pre-tax money in. So in that money that you would be putting in, it would be almost $3,500. So 
it's pretty good. You're not paying taxes on it. So anyway, what I would do if you can't get them convinced to do a 401k, I'd do a Roth IRA. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I'd call Fidelity. I'd go with the total stock market index. I would kill your idea of I could be aggressive because I'm young and single. Kill it. Shoot it in the butt. Inappropriate. Not good. Um, aggressive is, is is foolish. Like for me, spin a gun and put a bullet to my head. That's aggressive. Why do it? I don't have to. I could invest in capitalism of, of North America, i.e. a total stock market. I could invest in the growth of Asia, i.e. a mutual fund that's everything but Japan. Fidelity's got a everything but Japan Asia fund. Why why be aggressive? Do I want to own a small cap company that's going to turn from four bucks to four hundred like Inadata? Inadata does all the conversions for the Kindle book reader. Yeah, I do want to own that, but not for the primary part of my retirement. My retirement's good. My retirement's important to me. And that small company doesn't hit a home run, I strike out and I don't retire. So I'd prefer you own a total stock market index to cover the United States and an Asia fund excluding Japan. I think that's all you need right now. Later on, if you want to get a commodities fund, lovely, lovely. But right now, those are the two that I would be focusing in on the most. Another email comes to us that says, I follow your advice and max up my 401k. I'm lucky. I also have an ESOP, an employee, um, basically saving plans. And they, they, a lot of job security. So person has job security and a savings plan. I own a small place in San Francisco, can easily make the payments. I have a savings account with about six months of monthly spendings. Good. I won about 8K in Vegas and was thinking about investing in green, reasonable investments or green, responsible investments. Ah, here's the kicker. There's a group called the Calvert Group. And let me, it's like the state of California, C-A-L, and like green beans, Vert, V-E-R-T, V-E-R-T, Calvert Group. Go Google Calvert Group, and there's another group called the Social Domini Fund, D-O-M-I-N-I Fund. Now, both of those companies have websites that have uh, screens where, for instance, like you want to invest in companies that have women as management. You can figure out what companies in the United States have women as management. If you want to invest in companies that don't do tobacco, you can do that. You want to invest in companies that have a board of directors that are lined up with shareholders. You can find it. So Calvert Group and Social Domini Fund. Um, Let's go to James in Windsor. James? Who uh, sells Go Bonds? Go Bonds you can get from the state of California. So go Google uh, buying California bonds in California. Thank you. Oh, yep. So absolutely. Um, that's probably the easiest way to do, do the go bonds, the general obligation bonds. Again, one thing that I'll throw out there at you is um, be careful. I mean, I don't know you. And just because I say it's a possibly a good idea doesn't mean it's definitively a good idea. It's Aloha Friday. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine. if you want to hang online all weekend long. You're more than welcome to. You can buy CaliforniaBonds.com. Buy CaliforniaBonds.com. Yeah. But you also want to go to a .gov. Treasury.California. Treasury, treasury.ca.gov. Oh, good God. I'm running out of steam. I'll be back on Monday. I love you all. Thanks so much for all the support. And next week I'll be healthy and, and, and wild. <laughs> Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.